What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Dismantling these criminal networks is a crucial part to bringing justice. Like it has to ha- be happening for there to be any real systemic change in a region. Because what it does, it says somebody's watching. And now suddenly it's a little more dangerous for you to, to traffic a kid. And it's a little more dangerous for you to go and have sex with a 15-year-old girl because no longer can you just do it in the back of one of these clubs I go in. Uh, they, might have to, they might have to be in a little more dodgy situations. It might be in a back alley. It might be in a part of town you don't want to go into. And that's what we're part of. We're, we're driving it into the shadows. We're making it more dangerous. We're making it more expensive. And we're just a constant thorn in the side of these criminal networks. Some of them international criminal networks. Welcome to the Deconstructionist Podcast. I'm your host, John Williamson, and we are going to start a new series this week. And this is the first of uh, two episodes uh, covering the topic of human trafficking or sex trafficking. And so this is a topic that I've wanted to cover for a while, but uh, didn't necessarily know where to go to get good resources on it and to uh, uh, to educate myself because... I'll be honest, and as I admit, uh, in this episode and the other episode, um, I, I knew actually very little about it. I just kind of assumed uh, incorrectly that this is something that happened, uh, or happens rather, in other countries far, far away uh, from the United States, but I could not be more wrong. And so this was a, uh, a great learning experience for me uh, over the course of these episodes and these conversations that were um, really educational and, and very meaningful. And so uh, hopefully it's the same for you. Um, like I said, this is the first of, of two. And so actually we'll be coming at you fast and furious uh, in the month of November. So we've got a few episodes. We'll be coming out weekly, at least for this month, uh, just to, to get these episodes in uh, before the end of 2020. So this is the first, and uh, this is actually a, a guy who um, I'd have conversations with before. We've actually used his band's music on a previous episode, uh, but this week I'm, I talked to uh, David Zach, lead singer of the band Remedy Drive um, out of Nashville, Tennessee, and uh, I did not know the extent of his involvement 
uh, in fighting against sex trafficking until uh, we sat down and, and had this conversation. And uh, beyond that, he's just an incredibly kind um, and, and smart uh, fella. So um, it was a really fun conversation for, for me to have. So um, you'll hear us talk about a few things throughout the course of the episode. Uh, number one, uh, he's trying to uh, create awareness through his music and through his band. So um, they are working on the third of a trilogy of albums that are based on uh, educating people on sex trafficking. The last album uh, was an album that I really enjoyed called The North Star. And you've probably heard the track, I think we played um, a couple months ago on another episode called Warlike. Uh, it's one of my favorite songs that, uh, that they've done. And, uh, and so we'll feature songs again uh, throughout this episode and uh, the next episode as well uh, from, from his band. So um, the other thing that you hear us talk about is uh, a very, very important uh, organization that he is a part of, directly involved with um, on a very, very personal level, uh, which you'll hear us talk about. Um, in the interview, but it's through an organization called uh, Exodus Road. And so www.theexodusroad.com is where you can go to get more information on their work and find out ways to uh, support them and support their mission. Uh, they also have a really uh, cool uh, feature on there called Traffic Watch. Uh, and so you can get the link through the website there that just helps um, just educate people on what's going on, where it's happening, and, and how you can help. So Along with that, uh, of course, if you want to find out what we're up to, uh, read our blog, uh, link to us on social media, uh, take a look at all of the back episodes. Uh, we are working on uh, updating the website right now. It's uh, the, the the platform that we used to use uh, stopped giving us the uh, the links we needed um, to essentially stream episodes directly through the website, which is something that we had been doing for quite a while. So if you notice, we're a little behind on the website. So if you've been streaming through the website, we apologize. Uh, that's something we're working on. We've moved recently to a newer platform, and hopefully by the time you hear this episode, uh, we'll have uh, gotten all of that caught up. Um, likewise, there's some new features through our new, uh, our new host site that we've partnered with that we're really excited about. One of them is some cross-promotion opportunities and working with some other uh, similar podcasts, um, some of which uh, you may have heard of before, and and some um, some of those podcasts you may have uh, heard those voices before because uh, potentially some of those hosts have been guests on our podcast previously. So we're excited to kind of collaborate with some other podcasts um, and and hopefully get the word out about what we're doing here. Likewise, um, we have partnered with some some businesses, some companies uh, that we. Uh, really strongly believe in. And so uh, for the first time, you'll hear um, some, some ads. Uh, we haven't really done ads before, but um, you know, we, we, uh, in working with this, this new company, uh, have a lot of control over, over that aspect of it. And so it's a really good partnership in the sense that, um, you know, we, we can always say no uh, to certain opportunities um, if it doesn't make sense uh, in terms of products and things that we believe in or, or, or use personally. So, uh, so we're really excited to to partner uh, with some of those uh, businesses, and and one of which you will hear uh, on on this episode. So uh, so go out and support them. 
if it's something you might be interested in. Um, and as always, uh, support the band. And of course, the uh, the guest this week, David Zach, is the lead singer of said band. So Remedy Drive, go out and check them out. Um, we will have all of the relevant links in the show notes. And of course, we'll update our Spotify playlist. Um, so if you type in the Deconstructionists on Spotify, you will not only find our podcast streaming through there, but you will also find our Spotify playlist that is updated uh, every episode with a track by uh, the featured guest that particular week, and it's ever-growing. Um, it's kind of cool to look back over four years and see all of the different artists um, that we've used over the years. So check that out. Support the band, please, 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 um, especially during the current circumstances where a lot of these bands are losing potential income because they can't tour. And so we always greatly, massively appreciate the fact that these bands allow us to use their music. And so uh, the least we can do is say, hey, you know, go out, support them, follow them on social media, say, hey, support them uh, from a financial perspective if you can. Um, and uh, yeah, hopefully we'll all get through this together, uh, this crazy pandemic period where uh, life is a little um, unusual at the moment. So hopefully sooner than later, we'll get back to some semblance of normalcy. But until then, I hope you enjoy this this episode. Hopefully, it's uh, very informative. Um, this is an episode I will say that focuses more on the work being done uh, outside of our country. So, you know, our brothers and sisters who live uh, across the sea, over in uh, Eastern Asia and, and South America, Latin America, and places like that. Whereas uh, the next episode will be focused more domestically. So, two very different perspectives uh, in terms of. Um, uh, you know wh- where this is happening uh, and what what we can do in, in organizations that are doing great work to help with this issue and in ways that we can support. So, uh, hope you enjoy the uh, episode. Hopefully, you find it educational. Um, and as always, uh, thanks for listening. Appreciate you guys. Love all of you guys out there who are continuing to listen and support in whatever way that you are. Um, we we massively appreciate it. So, without further ado, David freaking Zach. Welcome to the Deconstructionist uh, Podcast. I've got David on with me from uh, Remedy Drive, and uh, we've got a really important topic that we have not yet addressed on the podcast, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited uh, to have somebody on who, who actually is on the ground floor. So thank you so much for spending some time with us tonight. Thank you, John. Thanks for having me on the, on the program. Absolutely. And, and folks who listen to the podcast for a while will probably recognize uh, your band because we've used your music before uh, on a previous episode. Uh, and, you know, I've, I've been been listening to you on uh, the local radio station here, Radio U, uh, for, for years. So, um, so happy to have you on. Oh, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so before we get into to, to the topic itself, um, let's talk a little bit about like, um, tell people a little bit about you, like what you do, kind of your background and, uh, and then uh, we'll, we'll get into it. Um, I'm from Nebraska. Didn't know where Ohio was till we started touring. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up um, in a Christian home. Uh, started my band in high school. Didn't really think that we'd be able to make it going live. Never dreamed that people would hear our songs on the radio. Like you referenced Radio U, they've been so good to us over the years. Uh, they're one of the only radio stations in the Christian market that kept on playing our songs after we left, uh, after we transitioned from 
just playing, you know, positive encouraging, say for the whole family songs and moving into writing about trafficking, which was in like 20, 2012, 2013, when, when we started focusing all our music on, on fighting against trafficking and ended up joining the Exodus Road, a, a counter-trafficking organization. Yeah, that's that's wild because you'd think that you know Christian radio stations that would be you, you'd think that would be a cause they they could get behind and that they would want to you know feature your music more. So that that must have been a strange kind of transitional period for you. It was hard because it, it was already hard already because uh, the record labels were looking for something very specific. They have a target market and they've commoditized her. They call her Becky. They spent all this money doing market research on Becky, and they were convinced Becky didn't want to hear about Boy Soldiers, which I'd watched Coney 2012 like most of us did, and I was devastated. My daughter says, Dad, when I got to protect those boys, you see Joseph Coney kidnapping kids, forcing them into slavery. And that was after a long series of moments of convergence in my life where I, I just felt compelled. I felt this magnetism towards this issue. And I thought, like, this is really awesome. The, the record label is going to be all about this. Um, and I went to one guy at the label, and, and I said, what do you think about this? A, an, an album that covers uh, the causes uh, for, for fighting against slavery, for justice in general, uh, taking the cause of the oppressed. And he's like, what isn't worship singing and all that social justice stuff, just kind of something else, a distraction maybe? Like, I don't, I don't know. My marketing director said to me, David, I'm a, I'm a whore. I need you to give me something I can sell. And so that was, that was like wow. earth shattering for me at the time. Yeah. That, <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Cause we've had some other musicians on, uh, you know, who have talked, you know, similarly about just from the marketing aspect and, and what you have to sacrifice from an artistic standpoint, uh, just to be, you know, continue to be viable. Yeah, especially if you know our, our the one song that kind of put us on the map. Well, daylight, daylight. We had a song called Daylight that Radio U and um, uh, they had I think TV or something like that was their TV. So they 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 played that song a ton, and that one was like right for me. I was really comfortable. With, but the one that made it big was right on the edge for me of going over the line on being a little bit too. Um, too on the nose with the lyric because I, I want I've always wanted I've always been so moved by artists more so than by anything else in my life whether it's filmmakers or people that write melodies I, that 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 nuance and that um, what's not said the beauty of this the space between the notes has always been what's pulled me in and uh, so they just wanted more of that and I, I didn't, I didn't know how to do it anymore. And there was one conversation that was really hard for me with a, with a, with a record label executive. He's like, Hey, you don't have to believe this stuff. You, you gotta at least want to believe it. So it's not dishonest if you, if you can at least get yourself to say, I want to believe what I'm saying. Wow. <laughs> and I was like, man, those are some, those are some logistics there that I just don't have. I don't have that. Image. My, my soul felt so crushed. I felt commoditized. I felt taken advantage of. They're trying to reduce these intricate melodies that coming from my heart of hearts and trying to reduce it down to the lowest common denominator. And, uh, I said, man, you, you don't own me. I'm not your property. Even though I had signed away my image and my likeness to, to the, the label at that time. 
So I'm, I'm so thankful to be on the other side of that. But I'm also thankful for that time period and the amount of people we were able to, um, that, that heard our songs and became part of the Remy Draft community during those days. Wow. So like, so now, you know, you, you have been able, you have that freedom, uh, to create music that that's really, you know, coming out of you, you know, uh, so to speak. And you've done, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong here, a trilogy on, on, uh, on trafficking. Yeah, we're have the third, we're almost done with the third album and a trilogy of counter trafficking concept albums. So, so talk about that a little bit. Talk about, so you've talked about from the record label, they obviously, you know, weren't, weren't having it. They didn't, they didn't want anything to do with it, but from, you already had an established fan base at this point. So, so what was the reaction from, from your fans? Imagine being in a band's community and, you know, hearing, hearing us on, you know, your, your, your local Christian radio station, then finding out that this band wants to fight against trafficking and specifically sex trafficking the response was amazing. Like I, I was nervous. I was like, what are people going to think? Are they going to want to even listen to this record? How are we going to make, how, how are we going to make this artistic? How are we going to make this beautiful and compelling and moving? And, uh, you know, our fan base has funded all three of these records through, through Kickstarters. And they've been so generous. We, we make all our, our band merchandise by organizations that help rehabilitate girls that have been rescued from trafficking. And so all, all my t-shirts are screen printed and, and we have boho pants and elephant pants and cool bracelets that give, uh, help fund the organizations that do this work and help give transitional employment to girls that have been rescued. Um, so our fan base has just been amazing. Um, I think there's a degree of, Bono calls it charity fatigue. And I think there's a degree of that. So I've been honing in on a way to really, have a good bedside manner going forward and making sure that people leave feeling uplifted and hopeful and excited about the, the, the truth, the reality that they can go out and impact change in their sphere of influence. Yeah, that's, oh, that's beautiful. So talk about that because, um, obviously you weren't always connected or affiliated with, with Exodus road. So how did you, first of all, how'd you come in contact with them? Uh, and, and secondly, um, you know, what was that change like, you know, once you started to really work with them, because you've been very hands-on. So that, that must've had a massive impact on, you know, your, your belief system and just, you know, uh, even maybe like priorities in life. Like I said, Matt from the Exodus road, he, he introduced me to this phrase, the moment of convergence and this intersection of, of remedy drive and the Exodus road, happened long before Matt and I ever met for the first time. He told, he told me in January, we were in Southeast Asia at the beginning of this year. I might've got COVID in, in, in Thailand, honestly. Oh, <laughs> I think wow. I brought it home to my daughter. Oh, yeah. No. She, she, she was just, she had like 104 fever for five days in a row, six days in a row. Oof. But so, so we're there talking and he's like, he's like, I don't know why I've never told you this. I always knew that he knew our songs from the radio in Colorado Springs, but Matt was a youth pastor before he started the Exodus road. And one of the kids in his youth group had been hit by lightning and Matt was called. He's on the way to the hospital praying that the kid would survive. And he just listened to my song all along on repeat. And so 
it was a source of strength for him when he had to go through this hard thing. And, and that boy didn't make it and Matt had to break it to the youth group. And I, so that's when I'm still trying my hardest to, uh, build my kingdom, you know, build my career, uh, you know, checking the radio charts every day to see how we're doing. Uh, and Matt's over. Sorry about that. I don't know how to turn off the, uh, the right. text, the You're text right. function on my phone. So Matt, Matt actually, because of that, he, he ended up years later taking, um, that, that kid's three best friends on, he ended up, uh, taking them around Thailand. And it was at a Starbucks in Thailand years after that, that he had his first rescue. And then he comes to, to Nashville, Tennessee at a time right after I started writing the lyric for a song commodity, I was almost finished with commodity and I had written under the starlight and he's looking for a band to talk about trafficking. And I was thinking, you know, we're going to sing about it. That's my role. I know how to write songs. I know how to put them together and hopefully these songs will be my contribution to the modern day abolition. And I, and, and I, it was like, I need to make sure to find where I'm going to get my artwork done. We got to come up with a music video. We need an, a non-governmental organization to partner with. It was one of the several things I had on my checklist that I needed to do. So when I got a message from somebody that was working in the counter-trafficking space, it was like, perfect, but I don't have to go hunt, come on out. I'll take this meeting. And just something was so moved in me as I sat across from this guy that putting his life at risk, going into brothels, spying on mobsters, getting frisked as he goes in, having to deal with corrupt law enforcement officials that are tipping off the raids that are being set up. And he had been responsible for participating in the freedom of a couple hundred girls so far at that point. And as I'm sitting across the table from this man, something just moves in me. And I said, Matt, first of all, I'm in 100%. I don't want to take any money from, from you for, for this volunteer work. I just want to do it, but I, I want to help raise funds. And I think I can, I think I can talk about this in a way that we can help fund these raids from stage. Uh, but you got to take me with you. Otherwise no one's going to, no one's going to be impacted, especially if I'm trying to recruit people for the organization that are going to put their lives at risk. It's just not going to ring true if I'm not. And he was like, okay, talk to your wife. Let's see what she says. And he comes over for breakfast the next morning, I'm sitting with him. He's telling us about some of the recent rescue operations. My wife's in tears, and Anna says, David's going to join you. This will be our legacy. And so that is where Remy Drive merged with the Exodus Road. going in and this is what's remarkable i think about this organization is um you know that, that they are literally going in uh physically going into these places and, and rescuing people who are you know uh, oftentimes like kidnapped and, and but are but are drawn into this industry um so before we get into it any further let's talk about what you know sex trafficking how does it happen i, I think there are some misconceptions um i, I think I remember hearing when when uh, somebody told me that it occurred even in Ohio, where we live. I was, you know, I, I couldn't believe it. Uh, so I think yeah. 
So, so what are some of the misconceptions about sex trafficking? I think one of them, obviously, is that it doesn't occur in the United States, but it does, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's a big, that's a big surprise. And everybody, you know, in Ohio, you're going to mention, when someone talks about this, they'll, they'll have heard now, because the word is starting out, that there's a lot of trafficking that happens along I-90, and when I-90 meets around above Toledo, and the Great Lakes being a waterway, Every state I've been in, people reference a couple, a couple highways. So the word is getting out, but there's also a lot of disinformation too. There's a lot of lack of information, but there's a lot of disinformation. There's 40 million people in the world that are impacted by slavery today. Some of that is, is uh, labor trafficking in the shrimp boat industry and the brick kiln mafias that'll, that'll take, take a man and give him a loan when he's desperate and when, when the loan's up and he hasn't paid it off they force them into this forced labor in this camp and the interest rate exceeds at a rate that he can't keep up with. So his whole family gets sucked into this, uh, brick kiln factory. That's an example of, of one way that we've seen it happen or refugees running from violence around the world, running from, uh, the mechanisms that have been set up to meet the demand for cocaine in the United States, those mechanisms, those mechanisms to meet this demand exist in Honduras and Guatemala. And as people run from that violence that exists because of our demand for cocaine, they're oftentimes, uh, sometimes they use human smugglers that turn out to be human traffickers, which is a big difference. The same happens in, in Malaysia or in, uh, Myanmar, which used to be called Burma as, as, as Rohingya Muslims are fleeing from the violence from the Burmese government, trying to find somewhere safe, they, they pay to get their families on these boats. And instead of the boat taking them to freedom like they had hoped, the boat turns out to be a, a human trafficking operation. Uh, so vulnerable people around the world or here in the United States, there's about 300,000 people impacted by slavery still in the United States. It's sometimes domestic slavery where someone takes advantage of the fact that that um, our system isn't set up to protect the, the those that get lost in the cracks of our immigration system, and so so there might be families in California or Texas that are that are using slave labor for a maid, you know, for for uh, and and fingernail salons and and beauty salons, and different. It always looks different. Um, but the same thing's happening when it, when it has to do with the sex trade. Sex trafficking is when someone is selling someone else for sex and when there's fraud involved, when there's force or coercion involved, or if the person being sold is a minor, that's what we call sex trafficking. And that's what the Exodus Road exists to go and find. And that's why I do undercover work. That's why I go into brothels. That's why I go into red light districts. That's why I spy on cartels and criminal networks because I want to find evidence of it because it's, it's, it's easy for them to hide what they're doing and it's hard to find evidence. But we use technology, we use spy cameras to, to find out that this is truly going on and then to partner with authorities to make arrests and to make raids. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs, five to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. 
Hero also drops other limited edition ultra low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to hero.co to shop today. So, so talk about, yeah, talk about that a little bit. Um, so you, you just mentioned um, a, a little bit ago how you got connected with the organization and how you felt compelled to like, you know, I, I got to be hands on with this so that when I come back and, and I tell our, our listeners, hey, this is something worth uh, getting involved in that I can do it from a, a place of authenticity. So tell me about the first the first trip you took over, uh, what you saw and, and what kind of impact that had on you. First time I went overseas with the Exodus Road was a few months after that first meeting with Matt Parker. I'd been, we'd played several times concerts in Europe, but I'd never been to Asia. I'd only seen a little bit of extreme poverty in my life, and that was on a horseback ride on my honeymoon in Jamaica. So I've been, I've been really sheltered. And the, the poverty alone hits you. And there's no place to put it. There's no place that I had developed uh, in my heart to put what I was seeing with my own eyes for the first time. And then to go into a brothel for the first time and see not one or two, but 50 teenage girls on stage who are sitting with customers that are three times their age and three times their weight, being touched, forced to drink and smoke go in the back room or upstairs or take taken to a hotel by these customers that fly from all over the world to take advantage of this desperate this desperation that exists in that society of the desperation that would cause someone to believe the lie of a an agency that comes to your comes to your town and and offers you that if you pay them a little money, they'll take they'll take, they'll take your daughter down to the city for for a hospitality job. And it turns out to be she's she's in a brothel. She's paying back your debt. She's sending money home, but you don't know that she's actually being sold for sex. And she's ashamed to be there. She wouldn't want anybody to know. And to look in her eyes and pretend to be a customer, to use Google Translate to talk with her ask her how many sisters she has and find out she misses her mom. She misses the simplicity of her life when she was just a farmer kid. Her feet are tired because she's in these places from like 5 p.m. to 5 a.m. Mm. Uh, she has a drink of tequila with me and probably 10 or 12 drinks like that a night. Because you, you can motion for a girl to come and sit with you and talk with you if you buy her a drink. And these girls have numbers on their bikini tops. So a lot of times the brokers there don't even know their names. And that was the first environment I got exposed to. It was like the dance club, the go-go, the go-go clubs, the sex tourism type places. And that's, that's hard, but let's see. I don't know what's harder going out in the, in the middle of nowhere. It's dark in the jungle and just seeing girls sitting outside of like little barn type places. You go in the dirt floor. It's a girl in a midriff serves you a beer. She's uh, available to have sex with for $30. It's just, it's jarring. It, it, it doesn't seem real still to me, even though I know it is. It doesn't seem like that's really 
there's everything in me wants to say that's not really happening. This isn't what it looks like, but it is what it looks like. Hmm. So you see, you see all of this for the first time and there's no way that that doesn't have a massive impact on you. So talk about the transition back to the States. Uh, you've seen all this now. You can't unsee it. Uh, I'm sure it took a while to process. Um, so talk about, and also, you know, you mentioned earlier that you were raised uh, in a religious household. What kind of impact does that have on your particular, your personal faith and just on your life in general? Well, when my daughter said, Dad, why not God protect those boys? She's crying. She's watching these. She's five years old. She's watching the, the, the Invisible Children documentary, Coney 2012. I was like, man, you nailed it. <laughs> like that. And people have all these really great answers. And you can read, like, see if Lewis, the problem with pain. And it kind of makes sense. But then it, there's no way to tell myself, like, that it makes sense. Like this, this is not something that should be happening. And my response was in the lyric of, of I'd never used Jesus's name in a song before. And I, uh, the only time I have, I think so far is in a song called under the starlight where the, where the, the bridge, I said, Jesus, where are you? They're far too young. Hmm. Uh, Jesus, where are you? And that's, I feel my daughter's question is my question now. And it's way more informed than it was when she asked it. Um, why is the world this way? Why is there so much inequality that drives this desperate situation that people find themselves? And why? And the bigger question: Why don't people care? <laughs> why don't Why don't people care? Everybody acts like they care. They say they care. They make all these posts lately with their hashtags. But where are, you know, I love Lauren Daigle's song. My, my daughter learned it. I will send in an army to find you. I will rescue you. What army? Where? I don't see an army. I see, I see a sea of apathetic, comfortable, safe, positive, encouraging baloney. I see this whole other thing. I see us spending 98% of our tithes on building buildings and paying salaries and overpriced sound systems and, and air conditioning to keep this building cold that lays dormant for six days a week so that people can come and sing songs. And I read Isaiah and I, and I felt lied to. Why didn't anybody ever tell me about what Isaiah one says when Elder or Amos five, when, when the prophets say that, that the creator's upset and hates our worship songs, that he's plugging his ears when we pray because we plugged our, our ears to the cries of the poor. And so the angst that I had against the creator for letting the world be the way it is, has been redirected to why, when, when those of us who talk about social causes talk about it, do all these popular celebrity theologians see it as a, as a threat? It is a threat. It's a major threat to their business model for sure. You know, if we, if we prioritized rescuing kids from slavery and feeding and clothing and, and harboring those that are running from in exile from conflicts that our country is responsible for oftentimes. Um, there wouldn't be enough for, for such a lavish uh, hour of entertainment on Sunday morning. And 
that was the biggest shift for me when I, when I saw, and I go back to, um, I go back to the first time when I saw Bono talk to George W. Bush at the prayer breakfast speech in like 2006. Have you ever seen that? Yeah. Yeah. Nobody ever said those verses. It took a rock star to quote these verses from scripture that I'd never heard before. And I felt really betrayed. It says he took the cause of the oppressed. Bono tells George W. He took the cause of the oppressed. Isn't that what it means to know me? Says the Lord God Almighty. And he says, if you spend yourself on behalf of the oppressed, then your light will rise like a noonday, and God will go before you, and God will be your rear guard. And he says, because wouldn't it be nice to, to know that somebody's got your back in times like this? Hey, Mr. President, it was just great. And, and, but, I, but I felt like, why has this been hidden from me so long? Why, why, why didn't anybody teach me this stuff? Why wasn't, you know, people, why are all the personal relationship with Jesus Christ people, why, why aren't they reading this verse? Like, this is what it means to know God according to God. Love your neighbor as yourself. All that stuff that's written is distilled down to that one phrase. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's what it means to love me with all your heart, soul, and mind. And I don't, I don't know how to shake kind of that anger that I have for, for being deceived, but also to see the, that deceit ramped up, especially in the last several years. Gosh, yeah, it's, it's frustrating to, to, to put it in, in words that we can say on it, you know. Um, you know, it's just, it, it, it it seems very hypocritical, especially now um, in the last, you know, several years at least. It just seems like there are, there's so much, there's more inaction than action. At least it, that's the way it feels. Um, but so talk about a little bit because, so uh, I think a lot of people do say like they see some, an issue like that, which is a major issue. Um, and in, in this case happening halfway across the world. And then they're like, I can't, there's nothing I can do about it personally, you know? And so it's easy, as you said, as you said, from kind of your cushy air conditioned home, uh, in the United States to just say, well, wash your hands of it and say, well, I can't, I can't do anything, but here's this organization that is doing something about it that saw something and is actually doing something about it and putting boots on the ground and, and risking their lives to do it. So, Talk about, you know, what, what goes into the process of going in and trying to shut down or at least rescue um, these girls from, from slavery. And I want to focus on that. And I think that's where, where for my health and from my hope to just focus on those stories, both with the Exodus Road and other organizations and humanitarian um, non-government organizations that are putting their lives at risk. I have a friend that's going over to Syria with the Freedom Rangers next week. Wow. Um, in spite of a, a, a deceitful and um, apostate theology system that we're, we've all been exposed to one way or another, there are really beautiful stories, and I want to really lean into those beautiful stories and that's the story of the Exodus Road. A man and his wife, Matt Parker, who were youth workers, went over and were humanitarian workers at an orphanage, and Matt realized there's an issue. There's there's no young girls up in the hillside. They've all been taken to the major cities. And and not knowing what to do and responding in a way he knew how and developed best practices, designed spy cameras to be hidden 
never having done that before, realizing that the police that he was partnering with hadn't even thought to record inside of places before, and going in, using the cameras that he designed to go in and find evidence of what was going on, and eventually after, I don't know, I think it might have been months of, of work, finally making one rescue, because a girl that was trafficked from Burma in Thailand wrote on a note in her language, wrote on a, a bill, a, a, a piece of paper currency, she wrote down in her language, please rescue me. Oh, wow. And they rescued her. Yeah, that's how it all started, baby. Huh. So, th- so they're going in and doing this all the time, though. And this is, it's got, I mean, it's got to be nerve wracking from the perspective of somebody who goes in undercover. Cause I'm sure that the people who are uh, operating these, these sex trafficking rings, you know, want to keep this thing going, obviously. So, like, talk about the, the risks involved. Cause you're recording and then talk about, like, Beyond that, though, in, you mentioned partnering with local law enforcement and, and how important that is. Um, how, yeah. Yeah, walk me through like what a, what a raid looks like uh, after you guys have done kind of this work. My friend Sudhir runs the team in India. His sister is the first person the girls that are being rescued meet, and she tells them, you're not, you're not in trouble. You're not, you're not a criminal. We're here to help. Sudhir's been beaten up. He has been threatened. He's been offered bribes to overlook things. He's a threat to traffickers in India. His team is all Indian men and women that are driving 24 hours sometimes. And I get the great privilege to help fund his work by talking about him at concerts so that people will help support his work. In Latin America, most of my friends that are doing this work used to be in some sort of military or law enforcement, and now they're on staff with the Exodus Road, and they're all from the country that we work in. We're expanding down there into a few more countries, I think, in the next couple of years. And they are the same way. They're heroic. They're brave. And unlike myself, who I've been 14 times to Latin America and Southeast Asia, they're there every night. They have to go sleep somewhere in, in the country. Their families sleep there. So it is extra dangerous for them. I can, you know, if I get burned, I can come home. For them, this is, this is where they live. And sometimes they're, they're, evil, they're, e- they're even able to um, use us, those of us who volunteer to go over this. There's about 20 of us who are on the, the, the rotating volunteer team, Delta team for the Exodus Road, who fly over. All these guys buy their own tickets. All these gals buy their own tickets. And we support the work of the national operators that are are doing the real the real heavy lifting ahead of time, so that we can kind of come in and there's something they call the gringo effect in Latin America. We can make these traffickers feel more comfortable. You know, I get on the phone with a trafficker speaking broken Spanish, you know, Spanglish with them. They're like, well, obviously this guy's not a policeman; he's a stupid American. Yeah. So they they come out of the woodwork, you know. Uh, in, in, in Thailand, Southeast Asia, it's a team of, of people from this country that are working there, uh, women and men who are brave. And the risk is, you know, that one of these times when we're getting frisked, which I hate being frisked, it's very uncomfortable, they're very thorough sometimes, that they're going to find our cameras and, and they're going to, you know, as facial recognition software continues to advance, 
there might be a time where real-time facial recognition software hooks up to social media platforms and, and it's going to be very difficult for us to stay um, anonymous. But there's somebody's daughter is behind that security guy being sold for sex in the back of a room. And the only way that anybody's going to discover that that's happening is by going in there and deciding that whatever discomfort that I'm going to have to experience by being frisked by this mobster and going up an elevator, uh, that is the only way back down and seeing weapons, seeing cocaine, seeing, you know, what goes on in brothels. I've seen it. I've been there. That's what it takes to go in and impact change, hopefully, for this girl. And I hope that if my daughters were ever in that situation, that there would be somebody like Matt Parker in the world that they'd come in, in contact with. And so it is risky. It is dangerous. It, it uh, can, can erode your soul a little bit if you're not careful. But we've participated in the freedom of 1,400 girls and boys so far. And I hope that's just a start. Come away, come and take cover by my side. Come away, come and take refuge. Come and hide. Your shield with fire. Looking at X's Road, they really attack the problem in kind of a twofold way um, that could be kind of categorized as intervention and prevention, which I think that second part is equally as important. So, um, talk, talk about a little bit about like how they work to, I mean, obviously they're, I'm assuming there's local contacts that they have in these places that they use to identify where, uh, the sex trafficking is, is happening. Uh, so talk a little bit about that and then talk about like the preventative side too. Like what, what can, what can we do to help prevent this from happening in the first place? So trafficking NGOs are kind of split between three focuses. There's prevention, there's intervention, and there's aftercare. And even aftercare itself can be split into uh, restoration, rehabilitation, and reintegration into society and repatriation. So all it's a, it's a complicated process. But out of all the NGOs that exist fighting against trafficking, only 10% of them are in the intervention space. And that's why Matt said, well, if there's a need here, this is what we're going to do. How do we intervene? So intervention is going in, finding what's going on, and finding a way to bring justice to that situation. Because it's still going on. And the reason why we need intervention, all of it falls apart without intervention. Uh, because if we're just taking care of girls that come out of trafficking, they're coming out and being replaced by somebody else. So if I go out and think, man, I'm a millionaire, I'm going to go spend all my money at just buying all the girls' freedom. Well, the traffickers now have a lot of money, and they're going to go buy, they're going to go kidnap and, and coerce a bunch of other girls to keep up with the demand for, for inexpensive sex in their city. And so dismantling these criminal networks is a crucial part to bringing justice. Like it has to ha- be happening for there to be any real systemic change in a region because what it does, it says somebody's watching. And now suddenly it's a little more dangerous for you to, to traffic a kid. And it's a little more dangerous for you to go and have sex with a 15-year-old girl 
because no longer can you just do it in the back of one of these clubs I go in. Uh, they might have to, they might have to be in a little more dodgy situations. It might be in a back alley. It might be in a part of town you don't want to go into. And that's what we're part of. We're, we're driving it into the shadows. We're making it more dangerous. We're making it more expensive. And we're just a constant thorn in the side of these criminal networks. Some of them international criminal networks. And then when they get arrested, I was, I had drinks with four trafficking networks at four separate events in Latin America in, in a one week period. Met people in public spots, negotiated how many girls we wanted them to, to bring to a little party. Um, and then hung out with them, talked with them. We were able to tail them, find out where they live. To, and get the last pieces of evidence that the police that we were partnering with needed. Because we were, sometimes we were un- undercover with police, both male and female officers, which if there's such a camaraderie, this with uh, common cause. Once once you meet these people that care so much about the daughters of their own country, but what that does when two days after I left, I got to see in real time the cameras from the helicopters. Um, the cameras from the the first agents to bust down some of the gates. One of the gates that got busted down, I was the first person that ever went in to visit one of these trappers in their home. And so as a result of a conversation I had with one of the girls, we were able to find where the trafficker lived and see that gate busted down and those doors busted in uh, to see those traffickers being read their rights and then paraded out and lined up and all over the local media and all over the national media that's going to cause prevention, man. You know, yeah. people don't want to be, people don't, it's just not worth it at that point. And they'll just stick to selling drugs, you know, that that's, I think, and Matt might talk about it in another way, but I think that's the main way that we're involved in prevention is by, by intervening. Yeah. Talk about, talk about, um, traffic watch the, the, the website as well. Cause that's, hmm. yeah. Yeah. Talk about that a little bit. Traffic Watch is new, and I've only surfed it a couple times, to be honest with you. You might know a little bit more about it than me. The idea is we want, um, we want ordinary people to be able to participate in a bigger way that aren't able to go overseas. Uh, but I haven't, I haven't researched what that actually looks like in reality because I think it's only, it's only like a couple months old. Okay, okay. So maybe talk about you got me. That's all right. <laughs> I, I saw it on the site and I was like, ah, oh, I gotta ask about this. But so maybe maybe a better question would be um talk about some of the ways that so people who are listening and, and who are who are really like, I, I wanna help with this. What can I do? Yeah. What are some tangible ways that people can get involved in this and, and really help the cause? You you had talked earlier about just feeling like well, I can't do anything. Um and I think this, this belief that we can't do anything paralyzes us. But I have seen in my lifetime, in the last seven years especially, I've seen ordinary human beings put themselves into extraordinary roles in the arena of justice and mercy and freedom and compassion. Overseas, I've spent a lot of time with the, the, the heroic women that help in the rehabilitation process for these girls after they're rescued. They need our help. Those organizations need our help both overseas and here stateside. I've, in January, I was at 
Washington, D.C. with a group called Safe House Project. That's a national network of aftercare facilities in the United States. The lobbying senators and congresswomen and congressmen uh, to try to release funds for that effort. I have this, this girl from Iowa ran a, ran a 5K in stiletto high heels. Oh, ow. And, yeah. <laughs> got all this local press, got all this, raised all these funds for the Exodus Road. And I've, I've cataloged some of these stories that have inspired me at remedydrive.com slash action. But the first thing I should have said is if you text remedy to 51555, you'll get an immediate text that says, hey, if you want to... If you want to get a group of friends together or on your own, come up with 40 bucks a month, you can sponsor one night of rescue. If it's your poker, poker night, um, if it's, if it's your, uh, small group, whatever it is, that's a cool way to get involved. But what's cooler about texting that, even if you just want to, to do this second part, you'll get updates on your phone from then on when a rescue is made and you'll get a little bit of details about it before it ever goes public, which is really exciting because then, you see a text come in from 51555 and you're just, it's, it's a really great moment in my week when that happens. Oh, that's really cool. The ones, yeah, isn't that a cool, I, I'm really happy that, that, that they do that. But my, what I want to say is, is that you have a podcast, right? I have a rock and roll band and right now we're both together contributing to shine your light on slavery. And, 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 and pushing back against that darkness, lighting our small candle in the midst of this seemingly insurmountable darkness, knowing that when the candle's lit in the darkness, the darkness can't comprehend it. And you, somebody that's listening might not have a band or a podcast or the ability to go overseas because of schedule, but you have an ability that nobody else has. You have a unique voice. You have a unique set of fingerprints. No one else will ever have your voice. No one else will ever have the unique, creative way that you come at issues. You have a contribution to make in the arena of freedom and justice and mercy and compassion that is your contribution to make. And if, and if you don't make that contribution, no one ever will. And we'll miss out on what you, what you would have brought to the table. Your camera lens at the pulpit of your digital congregation, you can sway minds towards righteousness, towards justice. Um, with your songs, your art, your political capital, your moral capital, what are you going to spend it on? It's currency. All these things are currency. My songs are a currency. Your podcast is a currency. What if we could spend some of that currency on behalf of the oppressed? And the prophet Isaiah says, if, if you spend your life, if I spend the currency of my life on those that are oppressed, then, then our light will shine like the noonday and we can hasten the day. This darkness this darkness that seems all consuming, it's temporary. And the corruption, both in, you know, church building culture, the corruption in mafias around the world, the corruption in politicians, all that corruption is temporary. And I have to remind myself of that. It can't last. That's what corruption is. It's temporary. It rusts. It turns into dust eventually. But your righteous action, on the other hand, your, your refusal 
to be apathetic is something that will outlive the very stars. There's an enduring quality to our bravery. So I say to anybody, listen, just figure out how you can be brave, how you can live like Martin Luther King Jr. said with a dangerous unselfishness. Uh, I love that. So there are a number of ways, obviously, people can get out there. Um, ma- making, making noise and making uh, this, this topic heard um, and, and obviously, you know, there's, there's information I know on the website that explains how, how you can volunteer. So if you, if you want to do the in-person work and really help out, um, there's ways to do that. I know through the website as well as just donating, um, funds to help fund the efforts that are going on around the world. So, um, and talk a little bit, I thought and we can kind of end on this, I guess, but, um, there's a number of interesting things I found on the website just in terms of these fair trade businesses that they partner with that I thought was really cool. Yeah. So so talk about that. I mean, I know you mentioned a little bit about in terms of um, who makes your T-shirts for, for the band, but there's a whole number of businesses that they've got links to um, on the website. I've never, I've never seen that spot, but I know that I, know that, um, I was just in the office a couple weeks ago I know that's a real big deal for Laura, Matt's wife. Um, and even something like that can seem small and insignificant, but knowing that something that you now own and that you put your money towards is helping a family instead of a massive corporation helps realign our, our, our relationship with power and greed. Um, and it's, it's almost sacramental if that's an okay word to say that I've, that I've found with my family trying to, but even with my own son, I'll be honest, he, he just is so brand committed to Nike. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, and I'm on two Apple devices right now, you know, but that is a big, that's a, it's a big thing for me personally. And I wrote a song called Warlike that talks about slavery. And, and in one line, I say this, the shrimp boats, the cocoa, the copper, the coffee, the Colton, the cotton, why am I bringing it up again and again? The tin and the timber, the sugar cane. It's still the same today. We're looking the other way. It seems like we've forgotten. And uranium, cocaine, like I mentioned before, these all these things that you take. Colton, I, I had a, a refugee from Congo in my house just now. I, we were working on, on figuring out some recording software together. And he once, when he was over here a couple of years ago, he he was explaining to me the history of Congo going all the way back to King Leopold who owned a country for some reason. Um, but he said, he picked up my phone and he told me there's Colton in my phone and that that Colton is a big reason why there's so much slavery and violence in his homeland. Whoa. Yeah. (laughs) So it's like almost all the, Almost all that lyric came from personal conversations with enslaved people and refugees. By the way, what, what are you saying? Uh, no, well, first of all, it's, that's uh, I think one of my favorite songs that you guys have done. But um, I, I was just going to say it's 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 uh, one of those things that that people don't think they have power over that they absolutely do, and that is the the power in terms of what you purchase and where you put your money, and yeah. and. And you can choose to put it in some of these organizations that that may support things like this, or you know there are a number of organizations out there that um, not only don't support it but but actively uh, fund rehabilitation and um, give jobs to some of these women who are coming out of slavery uh, who are looking for work uh, 
you know, and, and that's, and, and talk about why that's, and actually I'll ask you one more, uh, talk about why that's so important though, because, um, you know, finding, finding work for these women is, is huge, right? Yeah. And so my t-shirts, they cost a lot more for me to make because it's helping support that whole infrastructure that, that this wonderful organization called Agape International Mission in Cambodia is running. And to be there for the first time and see a lyric that I wrote on a t-shirt, my first t-shirt that I ever designed on a screen, screen looks like a picture frame with ink on it. And they put this squeegee across it. And I'm not sure how it works, but seeing that made it so real for me. It was so, these are girls that have been trafficked that have been rescued. And now they're contributing to their own rehabilitation in a joyful way in loving conditions with people that know about art therapy and trauma therapy. They know what happens with someone when they're hurt in this specific way. And one of where all our bracelets are made, it's in a room that used to be a child brothel on the second floor overlooking the street. And there's a door that they kept there that would close over horizontally over the whole flight of stairs going up. So there's used to be kids locked in that room. And now there's, now there's restoration. They re, they've, they've restored, they brought restoration to the actual physical space and they turned it into something else. And so that's so symbolic. It's so powerful. It's it, it, that story exists in real life in brick and mortar, but it exists in another realm. It really does. And your, your decision to where you can be careful about what you buy that decision exists in another realm. Will I end slavery in my lifetime? No. Will there always be greedy corporations that drive policy to protect them so they can abuse people around the world? And, and after these countries have already been hurt and damaged for so many hundreds of years by the colonizers, yes, that will still exist. But there's always been people that have stood up to those systems in small ways and in massive ways. And when you stand up to that system in a small way, not just because you care about those women that are making those products, but because you also want to say symbolic to yourself and before your maker, I'm not part of this world system. I'm, I'm part of another system. So I'm going to spend more on this. As a business owner, this is going to cost me more. As a civilian, it's hard, you know, like I talked about Apple products. But as a business owner, I have a responsibility for God to know where my T-shirts are being made and to try to trace with, with due diligence to make sure that slavery um, has not tainted my products, especially if I'm going to be fighting slavery. Oh, man. That, that's the, the story about the rehabilitation of, of both the women and the building and uh, providing uh, skills so that they don't have to resort back to uh, that, that yeah. life um, is just is amazing. Um, I missed... I missed this part of your question. Um, there's so many times I'm undercover and I'm, I'll be talking in Spanish with a girl in Latin America or on Google Translate on my phone with a girl in Thailand or Cambodia. And I always love to ask a question like, what would you do if you could do anything? If you didn't have to do this, what would be your dream? And it's, in some, some cases, it's such an odd question because the idea of dreaming about another life doesn't even... It, doesn't even cross her mind. Then I've had girls tell me, Oh, I wish I could be a cook. I wish I could learn to be a chef. So when I had my family, I took my family to Cambodia a couple years ago 
to see our t-shirts being made. And at that facility, they had a state of the art, uh, culinary arts facility. And my daughter saw girls in their early teens. They made us cookies and they were so proud standing behind the counter in their chef hats, um, give, giving us a tour of this cool facility. There's also a cake making facility where girls learn the skills of cake decoration, which I decorate cakes for my kids every year. So that, that holds a special place in my heart. But girls that have been rescued from sex trafficking have made cakes for politicians and dignitaries. Beautiful. That's brilliant. Well, I think that's the perfect place to end. Before I let you go, though, um, tell people where where can they go uh, to find more information, uh, places that they can help. Uh, what's the what? What are the best resources out there? So, just like you did, and I need to catch up on. <laughs> go to the Exodus the ExodusRoad dot com Research Traffic Watch. It's awesome. It gives you a chance to get involved in a real way. I didn't research as much as I, I can because I'm already involved in this way, but I know that's a plan. It's a newer program. It's, it's, it's um, something that Laura's really excited about, and she's going to be bummed out if she hears this episode, <laughs> and I didn't know exactly what it was. Uh, RemedyDrive.com is the band's website. We do a lot of, uh, once, once it's the right time again, we're, we do a lot of events where they're, we love doing community-wide events where it's, um, maybe partnering with a local organization that helps rehabilitate girls and have like a, like a conference style concert, counter trapping concert. So keep an eye out for those eventually too. Oh, that sounds great. Seriously. And, and, and just being able to go out, out of the house at this point also sounds great. <laughs> so <laughs> gosh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully when this pandemic ends, we'll be able to catch you, catch you guys on the road. And, and uh, yeah, that would be, that would be amazing. <laughs> Uh, well, thank you so much again uh, for for spending some time and, and um, educating us on, on on this topic that's super important and one that I've wanted to do for a while. So I was uh, I was really excited when you reached out uh, and said, "Hey, I'm involved in this in this organization, and it's it's a phenomenal organization that's just doing amazing and, and very very important work right now." So I appreciate you coming on. Thanks for taking the time for me. It feels like the fight isn't making any difference I can see the lights floating out in the distance I can hear the bright notes over all the dissonance Remember when the righteous rose from indifference Shattered by the grandeur, I feel insignificant Caught a glimpse of glory, got me feeling discontent Have I lost the purpose, made to be magnificent I'll scale these walls and the
Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.